and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thank you, Christian. Great to see you all. How good is our God? You know, we're going to start this morning, we're just going to simply pray and honour Him, you know, that, for that amazing day all those years ago that He sent His Son so that we could be restored in relationship with Him. You know, just the, just the acknowledging of what Jesus went through on the cross and the resurrection, just in the natural, that blows our minds. It blows our minds in the natural but, it, but the reality is there's a whole other spiritual aspect of it that is even bigger, that is even broader, that pierces hearts and minds all over, this, all over this world for all of time. So, Father, this morning, we just give you glory and praise. We give you honour, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you that we were lost and now we're found. We thank you, Father, that we were broken but now we've been restored. We thank you, Lord, that we lost relationship, but now we know you once again. We thank you, Father, that you sent your Son who laid down his glory, and then his glory was restored, and when it was restored, he brought us with it. So we just give you thanks, Father, today. We take this moment to remember well the magnificence of your great gift, the magnificence of our eternal life that we cannot fathom, that we cannot even comprehend, Lord. We thank you for for how big this gift is, how much bigger than it is that we can even comprehend. So in this moment, Lord, we just worship you. We worship you, Lord, without song, without words. We worship you with the intentions of our heart. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. It's an amazing thing to be in the will of God, isn't it? It's an amazing thing to, to, to sit here with two or three hundred people and just acknowledge the story of Jesus. And the difference between the story of Jesus and the story of, of something else, is of anyone else, is that his story is our story. You know, when you hear someone's story, you go, wow, that's a great story. But the beauty of Christ's story is it's now our story. Because when he died, we died. And when he rose, we rose. You know, when he went through, when he, when he went through pain, he took our pain with him. When he took on the sin of the world, he took on our sin. And when he rose, he rose liberated from it. And when he rose liberated from it, we were liberated from it. See, one of the biggest battles in life is, is actually accepting the freedom that we have. Accepting that when we wake up every morning, you know, the, those mercies are fresh. That, that they are, we are renewed each morning. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Jesus is alive. And when Jesus is alive, you walk free when you put your trust in him. Why don't you turn me in your Bibles to John chapter 20 this morning. 
This morning, I'd like to talk a little bit about the first time the disciples as a group connected with the risen Jesus. You see, these guys, these guys knew the Jesus uh, who they hung out with for three or, three or so years, but they actually hadn't spent any time with the risen Jesus yet. He says this in John chapter 20, 19 to 22. On the evening of that day, resurrection day, the first day of the week, the doors are locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them. And he said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus' first appearance to all his frightened disciples together after the resurrection. How did this, what was different about the risen Jesus to this previous Jesus that they, they'd all met? Isn't it interesting that, that these guys had spent three and a half years with Jesus and he'd, he'd spoken to them about what was going to happen. He he'd told them that you know, he was going he to pass and then rise again, all these sort of things. And then as soon as Jesus left them in the natural, they all fell apart, didn't they? They all fell apart. They no longer had the peace of Jesus with you. You feel like that in church sometimes. Sometimes you come to church. I talk to people and they go, when I come into your meeting, I feel peace in this place. And, I, and, and then the reality is sometimes when we go, that peace stays here and we get back to our own lives. And it was a little bit like that with the, with the disciples, with Jesus, wasn't it? When he was with them, they had his peace. When he was with them, they walked in his authority and his power and they did, saw amazing things happen. And then when he went away, when he had to go to the cross, they, they, they lost their way. They went back to their own authority, to their own, to their own source of peace. But this risen Jesus, he left peace with them. He didn't, say your, he didn't say something like, your peace be with you while I'm with you. He says, peace be with you. You see, he is not only, Jesus came, it's like when you come to church, you know, we experience the first version of Jesus through each other, don't we? We experience the Jesus through our hands and feet being Jesus, but then when he pierces our hearts, when we become a temple of the Holy Spirit, we carry Jesus' peace with us wherever we go, because he said, peace be with you. So what happened? Some things happened and some things were said. This morning we're just going to look at that scripture, we're going to unpack it and we're going to see what happened. Notice these three things. The doors were locked, the disciples were afraid, and Jesus came and stood in their midst. The doors were locked. The disciples were afraid and Jesus stood in their midst. Jesus didn't have to knock, did he? The doors were locked. Jesus didn't have to knock. He just stood in their midst. He was outside and then he was inside. He didn't even have to open the door. He was simply there. He wasn't a ghost. We read in verse 20, he said he shows him his hands and his side. And in Luke it says, touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. It was not a ghost who walked into that room. It was Jesus, the Jesus that they knew, the, the same son that they'd experienced 
but something was new about him. There was something glorified about him. There was something more about him because he was no longer walking through doors. He was just appearing in the midst of them. There was no more limitations to, to his capacity. He was, now, he was now walking as the son of God, not the son of man. So why is this significant for us today? What's significant about this risen Jesus today? We love where most of our preaching happens about Jesus before he is risen. What's so important about this risen Jesus that the disciples experience for us today? Well, here it is. Jesus can know, go where no one else can go. He can step into areas of your life that no one else can step into. He can go where no counsellor can go. He can go where no doctor can go. He can go where no husband, no wife, no friend, no family member can go. He can step into those areas, those fears in your life that you cannot explain and that you are too afraid to even share that you just keep locked away. And Jesus says, I'm not going to let a wall that you put up in front of me block me from stepping into your life because you are my child and I love you and I'm not afraid of your fear. And I am the risen saviour, glorified completely and fully able to step into those places that you are blocked off from. Jesus' resurrection fits him to do what no one else can do. In our lives, we experience things and we go looking for solutions. We go looking for the right help. We go looking for, for the strategy and the, and the relationships to make these happen, make these things be restored into, into, into normality. And Jesus is saying, I'm coming. Because there's some things, there's only some wounds, there's only some fears that the presence of God has the ability to change like no one else. It's interesting, isn't it, when, when I, I say to myself you know, and, and to those around me when I can is that when we need Jesus most, when we, he wants to use us most, when, when, when we're, at, we're generally by ourselves, there's no Bible close by, there's no phone a friend, there's no, you cannot Google God, you, all you need to do is call upon God and, and, and trust that he is with you. See, it doesn't require faith to be in church. Church is not an act of faith, it's an act of family. Church is where we're equipped and strengthened and encourage one another, but it's when we're out living our lives that we need to walk in the peace of God. We need that peace to be with us. There is no one else like him in the entire universe. He is alive, and what he is capable of, you cannot even imagine. Some things that you've held locked up deep inside... He's saying, hey, I'm coming. I'm coming for that brokenness. I'm coming for that fear. I'm coming for that lack. I'm coming for that unbelief. I'm coming for that, that to deal with that thing that that person did to you, that organization did to you. And he's saying, I'm coming and I'm bringing the resurrection power of the cross. What has held you captive will no longer hold you captive. In fact, he says in Ephesians 4, he, he came and he took captivity captive. What is captivating you, he took captive already and he is coming to liberate you from it. The next thing is they were afraid. Verse 19, the doors being locked, the disciples were, were in fear of the Jews. Their leader had just been crucified. Their fear was totally understandable. You know, you're walking in, you're doing this amazing thing, you're seeing people healed, then all of a sudden, the guy you're following gets killed. 
gets taken away from you. Of course you're going to be afraid. They, look what they did to him. What are they going to do to us? And we don't even have any power. All we had was him. So they were afraid. They locked the doors. You know, and and, and you know, what, we, what we need to draw our attention to is that it is in our fear that we need him most. Most of the time, our life's decisions can be driven by fear. We have, a, we have an advertising and a marketing world that taps into your fear, saying, look, you need to be insured in every single aspect of your lives. We are the most overinsured generation of all time. Because fear is a great driver of action. Fear is a great driver of action. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to be driven by fear anymore. In fact, when you were born again, you weren't, you weren't created with a spirit of fear but with one of love and of power and of a sound mind. He's saying, I'm coming to step in the midst of your fear and present you with a love that casts out all fear. A fear that I won't be prepared for what I'm expected to do. A fear that I won't prosper. I fear that my children will drift in their faith. A fear that I might drift into worldliness. A fear that I'll, if I face death and Christ is, is, is the other option, I will, I, will choose, I, will, I will give up Christ. I have so many fears that we can have. There's so many, if I lose a friendship, if I lose some money, if I lose an opportunity, if I lose my spot in the line, I fear not getting as much in my cup as that person got in their cup. There's so many things, and they can be from minuscule to, to monumental, that can drive us to the same point where we lock ourselves away in fear for our lives. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, I've got a love that your fear cannot resist. When you are in the presence of the Lord, when you are carrying the peace of God, your fear has no grounds, your fear has no weight, your fear has no capacity to dominate you because his perfect love is casting the fear out of your life. I'm going to come and I'm going to help strengthen you and I'm going to help, over, help you overcome that fear. You see, all the enemy has got is lies and accusations. He goes, whoa, he says, look at that over there. You should be afraid of that. And then he says, points the finger at you and says, whoa, you're not good enough to be part of this show. So he's, got, he's, he's not even real. And Jesus is saying, my love is real. And it's going to deal with the lies. It's going to deal with the accusations. Because guess what? Even if the enemy is right about your yesterday, guess what? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, you get to walk in the liberty. You get to walk in the hope of the resurrection. You get to walk in the fact that when you were baptized, all of your yesterdays died with Christ. And all of your todays are in fresh hope and fresh opportunity, you get to refix your vision on great things, on his will, on his glory, on the things that truly matter. You've got matter, or you've got what matters. You can focus on the matter, which is the things, or you can focus on what matters, which is the relationships, which is loving God and loving people. He comes when we cry out. He helps us. You know, I've called upon him a thousand times in fear and I know that he's with me. I trust that he's with me. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will help you. And then what does Jesus do? He comes and stands in the midst, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them. 
He came right into the meeting. He came right into their presence. He didn't stand on the outside and call them. He didn't invite them to come to him. He stood in the midst of them. Here's the deal. Jesus is not peripheral to anything. He is central to everything. See, we don't participate, you know, he he is not our weekend activity on a Sunday. He is not our once-a-year activity at Easter. He is not not peripheral in in our lives. We may make him peripheral, but he is central to everything. He is where hope lives. He is where he is where adventure begins, and he is where fear is crushed and when we when we, sometimes we go oh look i'm going to pass through the church on sunday deal with some fear and then get on with my life but then by next sunday we need to be liberated all over again and he's saying no i want my peace to be with you all of the time every day day and night i don't want you to walk in nightmares i don't want you to worry about what's uninsured in your life i can't afford my insurance this year what am i going to do and god's saying low I am with you always. I am with you always. He is not peripheral to anything. He is central to everything. It's not about finding Jesus. It's not, you know, the word religion is, is a word that's about, it's about seeking or going to find God. And he's saying, what will you do once you've found me? We love the search because the search feels like an adventure. It's like when you're dating someone. You know, you, you know Christian gave you some interesting dating advice this morning. Fantastic. And we, we um, you know, we, we love the chase, don't we? We love achieving. But when we get there, what do we do? What will you do with the relationships that you have? What will you do with this risen saviour who has stepped into your life and saying, will you do life with me? Because if we go to him for freedom's sake alone and we don't attach our purpose to him, then it becomes him serving our freedom and not us forking in his will. And he wants to do an amazing thing with you. He wants to do it, have an amazing life with you. He wants you to understand that if we make him peripheral, our life will be like a seesaw. Our life will be the ups and downs. It'll be, this, it'll be like sometimes some of those psalms where Dave's diving into depression, then he's out and then he's down and then he's up and he's saying, if you'll just take my peace with you wherever you go and take me from the peripheral to the centre of your life, you will walk in a new way and a new confidence. Then he speaks three statements. First thing he says, in fact, he says it twice, peace be with you. And when, he showed, he, he, when he said that, he showed them his hands and his side. And then he says it to them again, peace be with you. It's like he, he said it. And they didn't quite get who he was. And then he says, hang on, you need to see something in the natural. So he showed them something in the natural. And then they believed him second time around when he said, peace be with you. Sometimes he's keeping on. You know, the Bible says, knock and keep on knocking. Ask and keep on asking. Jesus is the same. He's saying, this is what I do with you. I knock. I say, peace be with you. And you go, okay. And then he sees to show you something magnificent. He needs to show you his resurrection in the natural so that, so that you can hear him when he says, peace be with you. Well, he's saying it to you today. He's saying, peace be with you. Your peace is not in your church service. Your peace is not in your gift. Your peace is, not, your peace is in your relationship restored with him. The order is important because, you know, if, if, we, don't, if we don't have our peace in the relationship with God, 
We tend to go looking for it in our gift or in our atmosphere or, you know, so many people I talk to say, I don't feel peace. I need to go and find peace somewhere. And Jesus says, peace be with you. If peace is with you, you don't need to go and find it. If peace of God is not in you, you will use your gift to go and find peace. I cannot, if I'm not in my gift, I don't have peace. And Jesus is saying, no, peace be with you first. And then we'll step into what my will is. Then we'll step into what your gift is. Then we'll step into the adventure that we're on. And he's saying, put it in the right order, church. He's saying, the reason I can offer you peace is because my blood, by my blood, I have covered your sins. This is what our communion service is all about. It's about being washed in his blood. That's where your peace is. Your peace is not, I know for, I don't know about, about ladies, but I know about, uh, about living a life as a man, my, my peace generally gets attached to me being able to do something. If I'm not doing something, I tend to get itchy feet and I need, and I, and I need to, you know, I cannot sit still for very long unless I'm asleep. And I, and I think that Jesus wants us to be reminded that true peace is not about doing something. What does doing something do sometimes? It distracts us. So we get, I, can, I can be at peace when I'm distracted, but when I'm on my own, my thoughts dominate my space and I get itchy feet. But the Lord is saying, if your peace is with me, your thoughts will no longer distract you. When you realign your, your life with me, your thoughts will no longer distract you. You see, the hostility between God and us was absorbed on the cross. A lot of times we don't have peace because we feel guilt and shame. We don't have peace because we're walking in the mistakes of our yesterday and we've believed a few of those lies where we've we've thought, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, they're not good enough. Oh, I don't feel peace here. I need to go and find some peace over there. Oh, that friend is no longer longer, um, making me feel good about myself. I need to go and find another friend. He's saying, no, find your peace in me. And when you have your peace in me, you will be the bringer of peace, not the looker for peace. Jesus starts with the gift of peace because it's foundational. His peace is foundational and then we move on. He says, peace be with you. And then he says this, but as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I'm sending you to extend my peace and my light and my truth and my mercy and my grace and my hope. The hope in you is the light of the world. Christ in you, the hope of the world. This is who we are. He's sending us like he was sent. The Lord sent Jesus into humanity to, to, to bring hope and to bring peace and to bring life. And now he's sending us in his name. He says, don't worry, all authority has been given to him, but he is with you always. So when we carry his peace, that's where people see hope. People see hope in your peace more so than they see it in your gift. People get jealous of your gift, but they have hope from your peace. Isn't it interesting that, you know, there's this, you know, I I think, uh, you know, I love football and I look at the trades of all the football teams and there's this guy going over this team and this guy, and I go, where's the loyalty gone in football? It's upsetting to me. And I think in life, we get so distracted by the gift of people that we're trying to create the perfect team in life that we miss the reality 
that God is looking for loyal hearts to him because it's in our loyalty to him that he strengthens us. In fact, his eyes are going to and fro across the whole earth looking to those who are loyal to his way so that he can strengthen them. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you capacity to do that. And it, becomes, it comes from having a loyal heart to his purposes. And not only did God send his son, now he is sending you to do the same thing, to walk in his will, to walk in his grace. Romans 6, 4 and 5 says this, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Some of you today need to give up your yesterdays. Some of you have been contemplating your yesterdays for too long. Some of you have, have, have missed out on what's in front of you because your, your attachment to yesterday. And God's saying, when I send you, I'm sending you that way. And he's saying, if you will just let go of what's behind you and embrace where I'm sending you, there's going to be a great story. There's going to be a grand adventure. And people are going to get free. People are going to get whole because you're walking in my peace according to my will. Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. We say, follow me as I follow Christ. Verse 22 says this. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of power. See, the Holy Spirit, his power is is actually our only hope for accomplishing the purpose that he has in us. You see, when Jesus left, we no longer had his, his physicality with us, so he left his Holy Spirit with us. The Bible calls us temples of the Holy Spirit. We carry, we carry the substance of God everywhere we go. We carry the wholeness of God everywhere we go. We carry the power of God everywhere we go. You know, when you're, going, when you're somewhere and, someone, and, you're, and, you're, and you're thinking, man, that person... That person really needs to hear from God. I wonder where Pastor Christian is today. He needs to get in touch with that person. Oh, that person needs a prophetic word. I wonder where Frank Stiles is. Maybe Frank could, if I could just get them on the phone together, Frank could prophesy to them over the phone. Oh, that person needs a prayer. Where's Mrs. Fuller? She could go and pray for that person. God's saying, you are the temple of my Holy Spirit. You are the conduit of my grace today. I have chosen you to deliver whatever this person needs. I've chosen you to show up, to turn up, to be present, to be faithful, to take a risk and trust that I am the God of the follow-through. And even if you fail in this moment, don't worry, I'm also the God of the resurrection. You see, in your weakness, he is strong. So don't worry about your weakness, because your weakness is the greatest place for Jesus' strength to be displayed. So when you're out and about, when you're out and about just walking around as a temple of the Holy Spirit, feeling weak and and vulnerable, God's saying, hey, you're in the perfect place. You're in the perfect state for me to become strong and to be visible through you. Isn't it amazing that God, he uses our brokenness to display his grandeur? Isn't it great that we can go, oh, look, that person is a person who's got weaknesses and got faults, but I can see God using them beyond 
those weaknesses. That person's sick, that person's broken, that person's wounded. And he says, don't worry. He says, I am enough. My grace is sufficient. My power knows no bounds. If something is broken, dead, dismayed, buried, don't worry, I'm God of the God of the resurrection. I can lift it up and I can restore it. And when I restore something, it doesn't go back to zero. It goes back to a place of glory and where I get glorified. When people see it, they go, you're not the same as what you used to be. You're a new man. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been restored to the same. No, behold, all things have become new. God doesn't want to restore you out of your brokenness into a place of normality. He wants to restore you out of a wounded, broken place and into a place of magnificence so you can walk according to his will and see people blessed, saved, delivered, set free and whole again. He's given us this power to defeat things to do the kinds of things that just mere humans cannot do. You know what the struggle for mere humans is? Defeating their own selfishness. Dealing with the fence. Carrying burdens that, they don't, that, they, that no one can see them carrying. You know, these are the things that he's equipped us to do. These are the things where God sees. Most people will see more of the peace of God in you when you're walking through a tough time than they see when you're walking in the strength and, your, and the grandeur of, of your life's success. So the question is not, Lord, take me to a place of success. The question is, Lord, what are you up to today in my life? And how can you use me and whatever I'm doing to resurrect someone else from their story? This is our great purpose, in the peace of God, by the power of God, to do the will of God, for the glory of God, and for the good of others. He can go where no one else can go. He's come to help strengthen our faith and to overcome our fear. He's not peripheral to anything. He is central to everything. And his peace is with us. His purpose is our purpose. And his spirit is our power. Now, if those guys are handing out communion this morning could do that, that would be great. The king is risen, church. And it's not something that we want to remember every year. We're about to take communion, which we do every week. Because we need to constantly remind ourselves that the king is risen. That the saviour is still saving that the, that the yesterdays are still passed away, that today is a new day, that his mercies are new this morning and that we, his, that we are the temples of his Holy Spirit. He wants to use you. He wants you to walk in, in his authority. He wants you to carry his peace. He wants, you, he wants to step into other people's, through other people's closed doors through you. He wants to present you in other people's lives. Isn't it amazing when you're doing life and all of a sudden you, you find yourself in front of someone and you have one of these awkward moments and the Lord's saying, this is a moment that I'm having with this other person and it's actually got nothing to, to do with you. So speak life, speak hope, speak blessing, take some boldness in your weakness. The greatest place to be bold is in your weakness because you know you're walking in his strength and not your strength. You know, we're going to sing, a, the, the band's got a, a, uh, an item for you to sing this morning while we take communion.
and uh, all about the resurrection and the greatness of God and the, and the gift that he has given us. So this morning, as we consider our communion, as we take this bread in our hands, I remind you of those words that Jesus said at that Last Supper. He took the bread in his hands and he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death till I come. You know, as we contemplate this song, as we contemplate these great words, as we contemplate this great day, as we think about these emblems that we've been taking for the last 2,000 years, Let's not let the reality of the risen king become normal in our lives. Let's let it become central in our lives. Let's not let it become peripheral to our weeks. Let's let it become central to our hearts and to our souls. Let's remind ourselves that we are temples of the Holy Spirit of God. Let's remind our minds that we take every thought captive. And surrender it to the will of the Almighty God. Let's take every relationship in our life. And remember that God has called us to love our neighbor. As we love ourselves. Let's remember that all glory belongs to him. Let's remember that he's called us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Because that is our reasonable service. As you look at that bread that represents the broken body of Christ. As you look at that cup, that represents the blood that was shed for your freedom and your hope. As you look at these emblems, as you consider that day that Jesus, that Jesus gave his life and then that day that Jesus was resurrected, remind yourself how reasonable it is for him to ask us to give up our lives for him. Let's sing, church. And as we sing, let's take a moment. Let's allow God to challenge us in our journey. Let's, uh, let's allow God to remind us that we are renewed and restored. Let's take those areas of brokenness in our lives and let's lay them down at the foot of the cross today. And let's allow, as we remember the God of the resurrection, let's allow ourselves to be renewed, restored, and liberated by the greatest gift of all time. Father, we just thank you. We give you glory, we give you praise, and we give you honor. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.